Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Buka Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. This morning, Katarina, we want to invite your presence on today to Matthew chapter 20, uh, beginning at verse 29. And the word of the Lord reads as follows. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Father, we need you today that you might declare a word that is clear, a word that is life-changing, that would open someone's blinded eyes today to the darkness that they walk in. Father, that you would draw that one who is closest to hell out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. We pray that you would edify that Christian God that seeks to know more of you. That you would encourage the one who is discouraged, that you would reconcile the one who is disenfranchised. Lord, that you would renew those broken fellowships. But God, above and beyond everything that is done and everything that is said, it's my prayer, Heavenly Father, that you would glorify yourself because, Lord, you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Father, I need you as I stand here declaring your word. Let my mind be clear. Let my thoughts be clear. Let my tongue speak with clarity of articulation that the word of God may not be hindered in its purpose nor its intended target. But, Lord, let it may accomplish all that you have set it out to do. Strengthen my body, God, and allow me to be that vessel that you can use this day so that your name gets all the glory, honor, and praise in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, I pray. Amen. This series, Opening Blinded Eyes, that we've been preaching through, it began in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. We spoke from the idea, blind laborers, eyes now open. Second part of the message was from Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. Blind disciples, eyes now open. In order that I might bring this series to a full circle and allow you to be able to comprehend and see how they are all woven together, I've got to go back to where we all started. It all started when this rich ruler approached Jesus, and as he approached Jesus, he had a question, what must I do to be saved? And even though these stories that we see move from and shift from laborers to disciples and now to two blind men, I want to point out to you that Jesus never changes his focus in answering and addressing the initial question of the rich ruler. 
For this rich ruler, when he asks, what must I do to be saved? Jesus responded to him and let him know if he's just to sell everything you have to the poor and follow me. Jesus said to him, I will at that point give you the riches of heaven. His 12 disciples listening in began to conjure up in their minds what they wanted to hear of what Jesus said. Peter began to focus on the riches, the reward, and based on the amount of time that had been served and the promise that Jesus had given to this rich ruler about a reward that he would receive based on coming into the kingdom and and how he would bless him with the treasures of heaven. So Peter began to focus on the reward and the sacrifice of labor and desired more treasures. Jesus responds to him opening his eyes and those of the disciples that perhaps might have been on the same page by addressing them in the form of a parable and he opens their eyes by helping them to see that the whole idea behind this thing was not a matter of getting more. In fact, he helped them to understand as chosen, they were already blessed and they were going to receive nothing less than what God had already promised them. Then James and John began to focus on the positions of authority that Jesus had spoken. He said, you're going to sit on 12 thrones with me and judge nations. And so they focused on the the preferred seats and the thrones and the authority that they would have over other people. Jesus addresses them and opens their eyes by helping them to see and understand. It's not about being great here and it's not about positions and authority over others, but what this thing is really all about is about service. And so he continues as he begins now to deal with these two blind men that he meets along the side of the road, finally, to answer the question of the rich ruler from the beginning, who was blinded by his own riches. He was blinded by his own power and could not open his eyes enough to follow Jesus. As I look at the rich ruler, I mean, I think, what do you do when you're blind and you're unaware that you're blind and you're You're trying to figure out how to get to Jesus. You don't know how to get to Jesus. You don't know how to receive eternal life. Well, then what do you do? What must I do to be saved? I want to talk to you in this last and final part of this mini-series from the subject matter, Two Blind Men, Eyes Now Open. This portion of the text begins by letting us know that Jesus is on his way out of Jericho, and a great multitude is following him. And behold, it's two blind men sitting by the road when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. What I want to begin this text by helping us to understand in order to get to the place where we can have that question answered, what must I do? to be saved? What must I do when I don't know the way? When I'm blind and I can't see the way, what must I do? I think the first thing you have to do is do like these blind men, and I think these blind men realized that they are blind. Pastor, how do you know? How how do you know they realize they're blind? Well, I think it's obvious to me because of the behavior. They act like blind people. What, What do you mean they act like blind people? Well, let me contextualize this because I don't want nobody to blow this out of context. I'm talking about the spiritual blindness, even though these men are physically blind. 
these blind men, uh, they realize they're blind, and I think it becomes obvious that they realize they're blind because of their behavior. First of all, they're hanging together. Because do you realize that blind folk like to hang together? Blind people like to hang out with other blind people. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, do you ever realize alcoholics always hang out with alcoholics? You never noticed that drug addicts hang out with drug addicts? Your mama never told you birds of a feather flock together? Yeah, blind folk like to hang out together. And these two blind men are hanging out together. But watch this. They're not just hanging out together for no reason. Look at how they're hanging out together. Look how they position themselves. They are sitting by the side of the road as a multitude or a crowd comes and passes through. Who can see? Who can earn a living? Who have money in their pockets? And i got to bring you into the context. You see, in this particular day and time, for those who were blind, they were, they were left to be beggars. They were left to the, the mercies of others to, to give resources to them that they might have food and they might have the necessary resources. So these blind men have positioned themselves by the side of the road waiting for the masses to come through. Now, they know they're blind. Otherwise, they would have been marching down the road with everybody else. But no, because they know they're blind, they're aware of their blindness, they realize they're blind, what they do is they position themselves by the side of the road. So when the multitude comes by, the multitude will be able to see them, see that they're blind, see that they're destitute, see that they're in need, and the multitude, some perhaps would have compassion on them and give resources to them so that they might be able to survive. They know they're blind. They're patterning themselves after the way blind people act. Blind people have a tendency to stay out of the way of those who are in the way. (laughs) I'm talking metaphorically. In a sense, when I talk about being in the way, I mean those who are in Christ Jesus. Blind people have a tendency to kind of stay out of the way of those who are in the way, and they wait for those that are in the way to pass by that they might benefit from those who are in the way. Pastor, what are you talking about? In other words, in the same way that these blind men are sitting by the side of the road and they're waiting, they position themselves to wait that they might benefit from those who are in the way, who can see, they can benefit from them passing by. Blind people, spiritually blind people, have a tendency to stand outside of the way. In other words, they won't go to church, but they'll ask you to pray for them when you get there. Watch this. They won't give tithes or offering. They're not going to contribute to the support of the ministry. But they will ask you, can I hold a couple of dollars of your blessing? So they're they're standing outside of the way, and they want to benefit from your walk in the way. Because you're walking with Jesus, they stand outside, and they want to benefit from that. They're not going to serve. They're not going to show up. But when trouble comes, they will show up to the church and ask, can y'all pay my bills? But they don't want to be in the way, but they'll be just outside of the way so they can benefit from those who are in the way. These blind men know they're blind because they position themselves in the best optimal position to get what they need. These men know that they're blind. And blind people who know that they are blind always wait for the opportunity to benefit from others who can see. Stay here with me. But first of all, you must realize you're blind. A whole lot of people who are walking around today, they don't even realize they're blind. They think they can see. They think they know the way. 
But the reality is, here's a rich ruler in the text where we began. He's got money, he's got power, he's got position, but he doesn't know the way to get to God. Wait a minute, you got all this power, you got all this authority, you got all this position. Can't you conjure up? Can't you, can't you buy up? Can't you, can't, you, can't you get in the way with all your resources and with all your knowledge and all your power? The reality is, no, he cannot. He must come to the teacher. He must come to the one who is the way and ask of him, what must I do to be saved? These blind men realize they're blind. And I'm going to say, if you want to know what must you do to be saved, you must first realize that you're blind. The second thing these guys do in the text picks up in verse number 30. It says, and behold, the two blind men who were sitting by the side of the road, they heard that Jesus was passing by, and they cried out with a loud voice, Son of David, have mercy on us. Multitude said, hey, y'all shut up. Shh, be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. The second thing I think you need to do if you want to have this question answered, is not only realize that you're blind in the first place, but do what they did. They reached out for help. First, they realized they're blind. Then they reached out for help. They heard that Jesus was coming. And knowing already that this man named Jesus has the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead. He can give sight to the blind. They know who he is. They know that he is the giver of sight. Bartimaeus is one of the blind men in this text. Because there's two other synoptic gospels that speak specifically of this same story, and Bartimaeus is the one that they actually focus on. And Bartimaeus and the other blind man, they cry out to the Lord, and they say to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on us. Please show compassion on us. And again, remember what I said, blind people are sitting on the side of the road because in the context of their blindness, they're sitting there waiting on compassion of those who pass by. But in this particular case, they need the passion of the one who can heal their infirmity. They need the compassion of the one that can open up the blinded eyes. So they cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. And then the crowd, the multitude, warned them and said, be quiet. The multitude of people who are already able to see, who are already benefiting from Jesus and following Jesus, they say to them, be quiet. Don't be screaming out to Jesus. Don't be interrupting Jesus. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Why can't the blind have an audience with Jesus? What I love about the text is these blind men won't allow the multitude to stop them from getting to where they need to be. Because watch this. When you're blind and you know that you're blind and you want to see, you're going to press your way. You're going to push your way. You're going to persevere, even above the oppositions of people, even above those that say, you'll never, ever have your life changed. God will never, ever accept you. You will not accept that as an answer. When you get an opportunity to have an audience with Jesus like these blind men, you will press your way when you know you're blind. You will press your way when you want to have sight. You will press your way when you want to know, what must I do to be saved? As the multitude tries to silence them, they keep crying louder and louder and louder. And I can only imagine how this thing is playing out. And they're crying out louder and louder and louder. And then, as they say, have mercy on us, verse 32 says, so Jesus stood still. Walk with me. Jesus is on route. He's moving from one city to the next city. He's been healing the sick and raising the dead. He's been teaching his disciples. He's been opening blind eyes. He's been doing all this multitude of things. And he's on his way. Now, you know Jesus is busy. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
But these two blind men who are sitting by the side of the road, begging for alms, probably crying out, blind men begging for alms, blind men begging for alms. But on this day, they don't cry out for alms. On this day, they come in contact with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And on this day, they cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And on this day, when they cry out to Jesus, Jesus stopped everything, stood still. Because I want you to know something. When you're blind and you know that you're blind and you want to know how to get to God. And it doesn't matter what condition you're in. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past or what you're doing right at that very moment. You could be high off your rocker. But when you reach out to Jesus with a heart that desires to have the blinders removed, Jesus will stop and stand still to give you the attention. And he goes and calls them to himself. Bartimaeus and this other blind man, they come to him, and he asks them this powerful question. What do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine God asking you that one question? And you have a gazillion things that you could ask him. I mean, you could ask for money, you can ask for power, you can ask for position, you could ask for a whole bunch of things. Can you imagine God, who's responsible for keeping the planets rotating in their axis and keeping the whole world moving and keeping life going on and keeping birds fed and animals fed and, and all the things that are going on? Can you imagine God stopping, standing still and giving you his ear and giving you his attention and then turning to you and saying, what do you want me to do for you? And interestingly, these two blind men, Bartimaeus and this other blind man, they don't ask for more treasures like Peter did. They don't ask for seats on the throne or next to Jesus. They don't ask for power. They don't ask for authority. They don't ask for any of that, even though they could have. Because right now, they have the opportunity to ask for anything that they want. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? They asked that he would address the one physical need that they have, that we may have our sight. Lord, that our eyes may be open. Address our blindness that we may receive our sight. We want to be able to see. And the best thing to do when you know that you're blind is reach out to the one, as they did, who can heal your blindness. The text says here, so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. The third thing in this text is they received their sight by faith. They asked, Lord, have compassion on us, have mercy on us. And the text says he had compassion on them as he always will. Now, this particular text says that he touched their eyes. But if you look at the other text, Luke Chapter 18, verse 42, if you look at Mark chapter 10, verse 52, it says, as he was addressing Bartimaeus, when the question was asked, he turned to Bartimaeus and he said to Bartimaeus, go your way, your faith has made you whole. This brings this whole story full cycle. It brings everything all the way around because in the way that the healing took place, was, first of all, in this text, he touched the thing that was broken 
and fixed it. Watch this. Salvation. When we were broken and we were destitute in sin, when we were far from the peaceful shore, Lord help us here, when we had no way to get to God, he came through 42 generations to touch the brokenness that was in man. What was that, Pastor? Sin. He came to touch sin. How did he touch sin? He touched sin by putting it on his shoulders on a cross called Calvary. He came and he touched the thing that was broken in us and he healed it by dying and shedding his blood on Calvary's cross for you and for me. His death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension is proof to us that he has paid the price. That we might have our sight, that our eyes might be open, that we might be able to have eternal life with him. He touched our infirmities. He became acquainted with our infirmities as he took on our sin and buried it on that cross on that day at Calvary. He touched what was broken. But watch this. It's not enough that he just touched what was broken. It's not enough that he died on a cross. It's not enough that he gave his life for everybody. That doesn't automatically, instantaneously give everybody eternal life, but it makes it available to them. But after it's available, after he died, after he rose again, after he ascended to glory, while he's sitting on the right hand of God, there's still a need to exercise faith. Bartimaeus, it was declared to him in Mark 10.52 and in Luke, 1842, your faith has healed you. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has given you sight. Your faith has allowed you to see the way. For you and I, the way that we're going to finally have the answer to this question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, I already touched your infirmity. I touched the issue of sin. I dealt with that. But you also have to exercise faith. Now, faith opened up their eyes so that they could see. And watch this. When their eyes were open, they didn't run to the liquor store and say, no, now give me some liquor. They didn't run to Burger King and say, I'm give me some burgers. They didn't run home and say, mama, look at me, I can see. No, the text says, after their eyes were open, they followed Jesus. That's amazing. Here's a man that we start with. He's rich. He's got power. Jesus says, sell that. Walk away from that. Follow me. Can't do it. Here are two blind men who have no money, have no power. Jesus doesn't promise them the treasures of heaven. He asks them, what do you want me to do? They say, give us our sight. He gives them their sight. And what do they do with the sight that they have? They use the blessing. They use the sight that they have to follow Jesus. Can I talk to somebody right about there? Because a whole lot of people have had blinders removed off their eyes. You've come to Jesus, but you're not following him. You've used the blessing and the grace of God that brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light to do your own thing, to run off and follow your own path, to run off somewhere and find your own way. No, Jesus gave us sight that we might follow him. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD 
or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us in person for one of our Spirit-Filled Worship Services, Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, or virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.